0: From Hagerstown, Maryland, the Associated Builders and Contractors of Cumberland Valley bring you their weekly podcast. This week we are talking to safety professionals from our members within ABC about how they're dealing with some of the new regulations for the COVID-19 outbreak. So let's join in on the conversation. One of the questions that I've been getting quite frequently is, how are we supposed to handle job site visitors and screening of those people that are coming onto job sites? Not only visitors, but as well, uh, trucks um, coming in to make deliveries. Um, you know, should we be stopping the truck drivers and sticking a thermometer in their mouth before we let them come on the uh, on the premises? Um, How are we handling that? Is there somebody at every single job site to make sure nobody gets on that job site without being screened before they come in? And uh, I'd be curious to hear, you know, how are each one of you handling that? Um, So, uh, Jason, if you want to kick it off, uh, you know, how are you guys handling job site screening?
1: Um, We do have several sites where um, whether it's government or the general contractor does require people to get their temperature taken prior to going on. Uh, We also have certain job sites where you have to fill out like a three or four question uh, questionnaire. Um, Just the typical questions that that we're we're hearing on these questionnaires. Here internally, uh, we do take temperatures for our fabrication shop. Um, And we also have a sign in sheet Uh, where you check yes or no, whether you're feeling good when you arrive, take your uh, document your temperature when you arrive, and then also do the same at the end of the day when you're leaving, if you're feeling any signs or symptoms, Um, and then also your temperature again, um, and we're documenting that as well.
0: Bill, uh, how are you guys handling this at Breckville & Hellman? Um, And and I, I know you guys have had a few jobs that have continued to run, Um, And uh, now I'm assuming with uh, construction reopening in Pennsylvania, you have a few more that are maybe open uh, over the past couple of days.
2: Yeah, um, what we put together is a exposure prevention preparedness and response plan. And it's not only for us, but it's for all our contractors, which we sent to them via email and their participation in it is requiring them to answer their four questions that normally goes with the COVID-19 program. Also the, uh, the temperature for each of their employees entering a job site on a daily basis. Um, the onus is on them. Uh, they let our superintendents know that everybody's ready to go. Um, internally, again, the, the questions are asked to our guys every day. Um, a couple of job sites, were taking temperatures. Uh, we just don't have enough guns to take temperatures at every job site at this point our office is still
0: closed. Another good question is, uh, you know, I heard you say you don't have enough guns. Uh, obviously, are you guys doing, uh, you know, you're not using standard thermometers, and uh, wiping well, mean, them down with alcohol. In between uh, uses, you're, you're using non-contact type uh, thermometers. Um, we've also heard as well of some people that, uh or or some companies that are requiring their employees to bring their own personal thermometer in, which is an interesting way of doing that. But then, you know, they're taking their temperature with their own unit. Um, I could see some pluses and minuses to that. Um, So uh, what about digging and rigging? Donnie, how are you guys uh, seeing getting on and off of job sites?
3: Um, Some of the job sites we've gone to, we've had to have our temperature taken, um, as well as fill out the uh, COVID nineteen certification of health. Um, internally, when we start, um, all of our employees have to fill out the certification of health, and everybody has their temperature taken. Um, we have each of our yards has the touchless uh, gun, and then each employee has also been issued the forehead strip. Because uh, some of our guys, you know, they they do have to stay out of town. So those guys that are having to stay out of town, they have the forehead strip that they can take their temperature and everything like that. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's hit and miss. Job sites you go to, some of them require it and want it. Some of them, it's not even a thought to them. So,
0: okay. Anybody else? Uh, what do you got? What are you experiencing as far as uh, your screening of? of uh, visitors and and deliveries and those types of things on the job sites. Charlie are you guys experiencing anything?
4: What we do is the, the same four questionnaires that we we ask our employees about uh, for every subcontractor that comes on site uh, every one of them they get they have to answer that questionnaire for us too and they sign off on it. Uh, we also you know if they have to work within a certain area of one another that we have to wear the mask, then a the mask or make sure everybody's wearing their mask and follow protocol. Uh, we've supplied all of our trucks with antiseptics and, and wipes and uh, hand sanitizers and, and all that stuff in every truck so that, you know, if they need to be used, that's what they're there for. We're there to, to do everything that we need to do to, to help put this COVID-19 thing to rest. Okay. And,
0: you know, kind of, I guess, a good segue into, so we, we screen folks, we get them onto our job site, um, you know, both employees, ourselves, and, you know, visitors that may be coming onto the job sites, deliveries, so on and so forth. Once you get them onto the job sites, what do we do with them? Um, and what I'm really getting at is how are we handling traffic on job sites? We've been asked multiple times, um, you know, is it a requirement that you must have one way traffic on a job site, pedestrian traffic, how are you guys handling different types of job sites, different sizes of job sites and that pedestrian traffic and as well, how are we handling, uh, uh the actual process of lunchtime and break time and how do we uh, make sure there's enough room and people are spread out enough? How are you guys working through those things?
4: As far as traffic on job sites, I don't, most of my job sites right now, I don't have a whole lot of people on. Uh, Maybe one sub that might have two or three men, maybe two or three of our own men. Uh, Pretty much we, while they're working on one side, we're working on the other if need be. If we have to work within close proximity of one another, we take the precautions necessary to to protect ourselves and protect them. And you brought up about lunchtime, break time. uh, Guys are pretty much, you know, practicing the six-foot uh, distancing amongst ourselves. You know, like I said earlier, I mean, we have wipes there for them to wipe wash their hands off with and some sanitizer. You know, whatever it needs to be done to keep everybody, try to keep everybody healthy and uh, away from this virus, and that, that's what we're trying to do. And I know a lot of times we rely on, I'm relying on my superintendents when I'm not on a job site. Uh, so basically, from what I've seen so far, our superintendents are still working. are, are doing a pretty good job of keeping the social distancing amongst everybody, uh, making sure everybody's good to go to work. As far as delivery de- deliveries go, uh, when we get a truck delivered there, unless it's some for hydraulic controls that the truck driver has to operate, truck driver stays in the truck.
1: Amos, we're doing a lot of the same things as, as Charlie mentioned. Um, so many of our sites, uh, we've, we've been able to pre-pipe um, sinks and have hand washing stations. Um, hand sanitizer is, is available in all of our sites as well. Truck drivers, um, there again, we've got the, the supplies in the trucks for the drivers themselves. Uh, the sanitizers, if they're unable to wash their hands. Um, and a big thing is, is I've told people, you know, this is new for all of us. Uh, we're all in this together. So, you know, we think we're doing everything that we know possible, but if they think of something or hear of something, please let us know. And, uh, you know, we'll look to see if it's something that, that we can implement, uh, because, you know, we want everybody to, to, to be safe.
0: Uh, anybody else have any other, uh, any other ways that they've been working, Um, through the pedestrian traffic and those types of things.
1: Also, I've noticed that, you know, pedestrians uh, have the amount of people who are allowed on a job site uh, have drastically reduced, um, you know, salesmen, um, you know, so it's pretty much just essential personnel only. Uh, As far as what you said about, you know, one-way aisles, we really don't have any job sites where that pertains to. We've tried to spread people out a little bit more whether it's okay this cruise on the first floor another cruise on the second floor another cruise on the third floor um staggering break areas you know we're trying to tell people take break and lunch in your vehicle um not congregate uh just trying to keep people spread apart
0: so i mean when you think about that with with you're trying to keep people spread apart. The number of people on job sites has been drastically reduced. Um, You know, you're asking people to go take their breaks in their vehicles um, rather than congregating in, in general areas. How does that, uh, how does that translate into productivity? Um, What is happening? I mean, what, what is going to be, if this becomes the new normal, what do we tell our customers on, you know, what used to take a week to do is it going to take a week and a half is it going to take six weeks what are you guys seeing that has happened um through or what have been the effects on uh, productivity on the job site
4: well basically we're doing everything that we can right now to maintain the schedule that we need to maintain uh, i'm sure we haven't come into a situation yet where an owner or an architect or somebody like that is has complained too awful much because they realize the situation everybody's in. Uh, at this point, anyhow, I mean, maybe here in a couple of weeks or something like that, maybe that'll change. But at, at this point right now, everybody's still feeling their way through this thing. And we're trying to, to man the, manage the job sites the best we can, you know, and, and still maintain, maintain production.
1: I haven't seen a big drop off in production. Um, And like Charlie said, I think everybody is, at least right now, customers, um, general contractors, owners, they're pretty, uh, they understand that this is new for everybody. And um, I think they're happy that their project is still moving forward. Um, But I don't think any schedules have been impacted too drastically. Uh, Charlie and Bill may be able to answer that a little better than me, Uh, but I, I really think everybody's pulling together, and and uh, at least from, from what I'm seeing and hearing.
2: Yeah, I concur, this is Bill. Um, we haven't seen any drop in production at this point. I think the supply chain is going to vary, I would say in the next couple of months, and that's where we might find a drop off in of production just because the supplies are not available, or
0: products not available on time. Right now we're doing okay. Anybody else have anything to add about uh, productivity? And if not, as you're kind of leading or thinking through this, you know, I'm hearing that productivity has not been significantly impacted, um, you know, other than in, in Pennsylvania, maybe where the jobs have been shut down for several weeks, but we have good understanding there. Now that we're getting back to it and we're starting to get people onto job sites and we're understanding how we have to spread them out, what has supervision been like um, on the job sites? How has it become more difficult, or does it seem to be about the same? What what have uh, types of feedback have you been getting, not only from safety but from the uh, job superintendents and those that would be supervising others? Are they finding it more difficult? Are they finding it easy? Um, what are you guys seeing?
4: For the most part, Amy, our superintendents are pretty good with it. Uh, other than the ac- little extra paperwork that they. Walk about all the time anyhow extra paperwork but the biggest thing we've run into superintendents on some of the jobs is uh some of our subs i mean we got a little bit of trouble getting them to wear their mask when they're supposed to and i understand that you know we're not all of us aren't used to wearing masks some of us you know can wear them and breathe still breathe pretty good others put them on and they have a little bit of difficulty breathing through them but for the most part i mean that's the biggest biggest thing that we're We're facing with the subs as far as as anything else, you know, is making sure that uh, they show up, they answer our questionnaire, and follow the protocol that we've set out for them and and the governments and governors have set out for us to follow. Uh, But the biggest one is the mask, you know, getting guys to make sure they keep their mask on when they need to.
0: What about uh, digging and rigging? What are you guys seeing uh, out there as far as from a supervision standpoint? And you have a little bit of a different angle maybe to look at that even as well. Um, you know, uh, I, I guess in general, you know, the guy the, your signal man is going to be uh, far enough away from the crane operator that, uh, you know, that would, those things would still be okay. Um, but what are you guys seeing with, the absence of having large meetings and those types of things
3: one of the things that we implemented to take the place of you know toolbox talks um that we perform weekly is we are sending out weekly now to the whole company um, a toolbox talk as everybody whether you're a rigger um, a laborer everybody in the whole company has an email address so when this all first started, we started sending those toolbox talks via that. Um, As far as supervision goes, I haven't personally ran into anything. Every job site that I've gone to and everything like that, nobody has said no, you know, you can't can't be here. Um, But, and I haven't heard that from any of our guys and like you say, we're a little bit more unique because most of the time the crane operator is the supervisor. Um, and a lot of the times the crane operator, it's, it's just a crane operator. He may not have a rigger going out with him, or he may not have a signal person because the customer is supplying the rigger or the signal person for that. Um, so, you know, supervision, as far as for us, it hasn't been a problem at all.
0: What about brick Bill, and Hellman, uh, uh Bill, uh, have you guys had any experiences, uh, or any insight into uh, how this has all impacted your ability to supervise?
2: Well, it really depends on the, the state of the project. Um, as far as enforcing the, the COVID plan, it's a little tougher when you're outside, just coming out of the ground. You know, for the guys to understand why they have to wear a face covering and, and gloves when they're you know, 30 feet apart on a project it's a little tough for them to digest sometimes. <laughs> but on on the other hand, you know, the inside, inside projects, there, there really isn't an issue. They understand why they got to wear that and, and what the precautions are. So supervision is a little tougher, I think, uh, as the GC goes at this point in time, just because it's just another another part of uh, the safety and we have to cover as compared to everything else. And the, and the superintendent's take a brunt of it, to be honest with you, you know. Because I'm only the safety department's one guy, and and I'm only there for a couple hours a day, so so they have to deal with it the the six other hours a day.
0: Got it. And and that was one of the points I was kind of or you know thinking about is as we put this bullet point on the list to talk about today was how are our supervisors handling these things. It has to be frustrating in my mind um, that to a certain point, uh, you know whether it be in a simplistic standpoint which i know this wouldn't always be the case but let's say you're a gc and you're self performing all work on a job uh, and you know your group that is doing hvac installation they're not doing the ductwork correctly and pre covid 19 you would have brought everybody together and said look this is how you know we want this this uh, prepared this is how we want it done um, and installed and uh, you would have been on your way. Now you gotta figure out some unique way to be able to get everybody, show them what the proper way to do this is without getting everybody into a room um, where, you can, you know, where you can show them individually. And the, the other thought that I had was as well, um, what happens if we have bad, uh, bad actors through this, which you know every business has had it? Um, how do you discipline somebody? How do you work your way through this process Um, it hit me the other day that we're all talking about, you know, uh, all the people and assuming that we have all good people working for us. And that's not the case. I'm sure it's not. Um, so how do we discipline and help people through that process if, you know, we can't have one-on-one, so to speak with them, um, or we, you know, are hesitant to do that. So just a couple of questions, additional questions on that to throw out there from the supervision standpoint.
1: Amos, we've had some sites that are, you know, when they they roll out, you know, because it seems like this potentially changes daily when they roll out a new plan. um, That's their first and second strike right there. Um, They're at the point where you know they're taking this very seriously, but it is a site that has had multiple confirmed cases. Um, So they're they're removing an employee from the site. Um, others kind of like Charlie was saying is, you know, where this is new for all of us and, um, you know, we're going to remind you for a little while, um, before, you know, maybe we go and talk to a supervisor or, or, or take whatever the next step is. So it's, it really runs the gamut. Um, it, you know, and kind of to your last point, Amos, is I was thinking if this, this may bring to light as well that, you know, our supervisors need to have continued training. I mean, their job is so much more than just, you know, running a project. Um, it's, you know, the, the paperwork aspect, the purchasing, um, the safety, and now, you know, is just dealing or, or leading through a crisis. Um, you know, and I've found that, that my job is, and I was in a meeting today where it's just really counseling employees um, who are really stressed by by this, Um, you know, and I'm sure there is a lot of stress, uh, you know, from outside. Maybe it's, you know, only one spouse is working and, you know, so now you have money stresses, but, you know, you bring that with you to, to work. Um, or, you know, your kids aren't in school and now you're homeschooling, that's added stress that you're bringing with you to work. So it's, you know, how do our supervisors deal with this, you know, leading through a, a, a crisis and, you know, helping people, um, you know, through tough times. And, and I think, you know, this will bring to light as a company, you know, we need to do some additional training um, for all of us through, through this. I agree with what Jason
3: is saying it, with the additional training. Um, I think the biggest thing is is communication, an open dialogue and communication between everybody, um, between the workers and the supervisors. the And only talk about the factual stuff. You know, we we all hear all kinds of different stuff every day, and, and this is an ever-changing thing, um, but... You know That open communication, and if somebody has a question, they feel comfortable enough coming and asking you about it, and that you have the facts as they are at that time that you can give them to kind of put their mind at ease and everything like that as well. So I agree with, the, with Jason as far as the training, but I also think that, that open communication is a huge point right
1: now. I agreed, Donnie. And you know, in my meeting today, I said, look, we're all here together. Now's the time to ask questions. Don't wait until we leave this meeting and you know, go go talk to your buddy in the corner um, because you know, then you're then that can just cause rumors. I said, now's the time to ask it. And if you think about something later, I'm I'm always available. My phone's always on. Call me, text me, email me. And if I don't know the answer, you know, I'll seek it out. We'll find an answer together. Um, but, you know, let's, let's be out there. And like you said, facts are our friends. Um, you know, we could all wonder. Um, and, and I told those guys today, I said, I'm, I'm going to be very transparent with you. Um, I, I think knowing the facts, even if it's not a good outcome, is better than just the, the wondering and not knowing. So, you know, if if we know something, whether it's good or bad, we're going to let you know. So you have time to prepare for it or we have time to deal with it. Um, You know, so I I think that's very, very important. It's just being transparent and communicating.
4: And that's that's the big thing with with some of the guys here, you know. They go home and they they, they watch the news here and they, they hear this fact and then, you know, we get to talking about it. And somebody else says, well, I heard this and somebody else says, I heard that. You know, there's so many different facts facts out there. Uh, do they know the exact facts? I don't think they do. I mean, and, and that's, that's a lot of stress for the guys right now. Like uh, somebody said about their spouse maybe not working and the kids are home from school now, you know. So you got all that factoring in. And then when you watch the news or if they get on social media, they hear, see this and read this and read that, everybody's getting all confused. They get flustered, you know. So and like you, Jason, you know, I take the time to some of the guys here to come to me and ask questions, you know, just, just stop a minute. Let's, let's go back and see what we're doing. See what we know for sure. And until somebody tells us something different, that's what we got to work with.
0: I think you guys, uh, all of you hit, I think, a very valid point um, of make sure that, you know, we're using facts. We're not uh, out looking on the Internet and we're on Facebook for the craziest thing that you can find. Um, you know, if you, uh, if you search uh, toilet paper uh, memes, I'm sure you'll find just about anything you can imagine that people, you know, have made jokes about uh, the toilet paper shortages. But um, all the information that ABC is pushing out, all the information that I try to utilize when we're talking is everything that I pull from each one of the state health departments. Um, that is the only place I'm pulling information. Now I'm hearing, you know, that, well, occasionally you'll hear that maybe the health department's information isn't correct, or they didn't report four of the deaths correctly in Pennsylvania or some uh, specific area. And uh, I do believe that our governments are doing a good enough job as far as it comes to reporting and stuff. Um, they're not making massive errors. Um, we've heard people throw, uh, throw uh, Governor um, Hogan Uh, you know, under the bus a little bit about the fact that he he included some of the elderly that passed away in the number and so on and so forth. At the end of the day, I'm confident that the numbers they are using and the systems that they are using are good enough that you can watch for patterns. Either things are going up or things are going down. And I would suggest that you pull your information from your state uh, department of health websites Don't go anywhere else. I wouldn't, you know, even at this point, trust the uh, mainstream news. Sometimes uh, CNN or Fox News or whoever it is may get it wrong, but make sure you're giving good information. Um, Most of the people that I've run into that have been scared um, or or very disturbed over everything that's happening, uh, most of them have had incorrect information given at that point in time. And the other thing that I'm encouraging everybody is look at the information and how it's presented. Um, I'll give you a perfect example. Here in Pennsylvania, there's a county right next to where I live, Fulton County, which only, I think, I didn't check today, but I believe as of today still has two confirmed cases. And everybody's saying, well, you know, there are all these reasons that they have two cases and everybody else has more. Fulton County is the least populated county, I, I believe, in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, but interestingly, when you look at it, they have two cases, but they've only tested 55 people. Um, so my point is, you got to look at the information and figure out how to compare it. And another you know, example in that same line is if uh, two people out of 55 tested positive um, and 100 people out of 30,000 tested positive, um, you know, it sounds like we well, have 100 people in this other county, but they did 30,000 tests. It's probably a lower percentage, and I'm not doing the math that quickly in my head, um, but I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, that two out of 55 is probably worse than 100 out of 30,000. Um, so you got to look at how you're going to compare those numbers and how you're going to uh, how you're going to look at them um, to make sure that you're getting good information. But at any rate, um, anybody else on uh, supervision, and as well, touching on that uh, well-being of the employees. Anybody have anything else to add there?
1: I think you, what you said there, Amos, is is key. Is just the well-being of employees. Um, you know, and there again, like I said, it, it seems like over the last couple months, um, all of our roles have changed. Uh, You know, it's not just writing, you know, fall protection plans anymore. It's, you know, infectious diseases and, and, you know, we're ordering equipment that that we've never ordered before and, um, you know, chemicals, but just that employee wellness. I mean, that's a very broad uh, stroke Uh, but but it is so so important Um, and and I really think at least for me one of the nicest things I've heard um, over the last month is somebody said thanks because we we can tell that you're trying to help us and you're doing the best that you can to help us and you know that that means so much that that they see that they realize that but you know it's more than just hard hats and safety glasses it's you know talking to people about their their families and, you know, how they're doing. And that's a question I'll ask people is, you know, just, well, how are you doing with this? And, you know, what do you, you know, and just, I mean, they know that you care um, and some of them will open up, some won't and, and that's fine too. Uh, but, but just really just the, I don't, I don't know how to say it anymore except employee wellness. That, that's a good, good term that you
0: used. Anybody? Anything else on employee wellness and and the supervision of employees or anything that you've had changed? And and I like, uh, you know, to your point, Jason, that you're kind of pointing out that, you know, everybody's job, everybody's roles have changed, and and that's not only in your individual companies, even even here at ABC, our role has changed from being, um, really, during, a, a, an up economic time. You know, we are a source of uh, of events, were a source of networking, we're a source of uh, discounts, you can save on things that you, you know, purchases that you may make. And now all of a sudden, we find ourselves as the providers of information and the creators of content to try to get out there and to help people stay safe. You know, and I guess, you know, along everything that we've been talking about, you know, the logical next question is, um, should we as the construction industry, should we have a COVID-19 officer on site, and I'm, I'm, I'm calling, you know, using that term loosely. You can't see my air quotes, but they were there. And, uh, uh, you know, should we have somebody like that on site that their only pure job is to look for um, and make sure that people are, are staying or uh, following all the rules? And the second piece of that is what, if that is the case and we want to do something of that nature, should we be firing people that refuse to follow the rules and put everybody else at risk, um, including themselves, or should we, you know, really be giving them, you know, 10 or 12 strikes before they're out. Um, But there are some people out there that aren't taking this seriously. And what do we do with those people, you know, as well as a piece of that. But really the question is, should we have a COVID-19, appointed safety person for every single job site that all they do is walk around and make sure people are doing what they're supposed to be doing. What are your thoughts on that?
4: I personally, myself, I don't think it's a good idea. I mean, we rely on our superintendents and lead men to monitor our jobs right now. Uh, As long as they continue to do the job that they're doing, which I think for the most part, our superintendents are doing a pretty damn good job. And I, I don't think it's, it's, it's uh, necessary to have a COVID-19 officer walking around on our job site. I mean, the, the guys are, you know, some of the subs are going to feel tensed up. What, what what am I going to get picked on now for? You know, we got enough dealing with it right now because where everybody is following the protocol and staying healthy, why do we need to add to that? I agree with Charlie.
1: I, I'm going to go back to, um, you know, every year there are and I forget the the stats. I just looked them up the other day, but there are, you know, millions and millions and millions of people that, um, you know, contract just the regular flu, influenza. Um, And I believe it's upward to, you know, 50,000 people die every single year from that. Um, You know, but but we don't hire, you know, an influenza person. Um, You know, and you don't hear as as much about that except you know hey everybody get your flu shot um you know and then there again is i, I guess you would who would who would pay for that what are the but that, that's a whole nother topic but um we do have one job site that has hired nurses um because that there are multiple shifts on that site they are the ones that are taking the temperatures of, of employees uh as they enter the building and, you know, they, they do walk around and look at certain things. Um, that is the extreme case that I've seen, at least.
0: So if, if we could pause there for one second or, or dwell on that, I'm just curious. And I think a lot of people would be curious. So on that job site, who is paying for those nurses? Is that something that the, uh, that, uh, the owner has said, hey, we're, we're willing to, to pay this extra cost and we understand it? or is it something that has just been worked into it or taken out of the profit margin for the job? Um, do you have any insight on that?
1: I don't. Um, I'm very interested as well in that. Uh, it is a, a huge, actually it's a, a pharmaceutical manufacturing company. Um, so there is, you know, uh, a lot of money there backing that, uh, but I don't know if it was them or the general contractor.
2: Yeah, I can chime in a little bit. I think that's, it'd be nice to have that. In reality, that has to be driven by an owner in a current project. I can see that happening as something maybe you're developing at this point in time and going forward with a project building it in, but something that's happening now would have to be owner driven on that end. No, Jason. You're working at a, a pharmaceutical plant. Uh, we work at hospitals. Within the hospital system, there's always an infectious control department, which we work through. So that's uh, that helps in that controlled environment. But uh, for regular projects, I don't see that unless it's owner-driven. Be honest with you.
3: So I, I have mixed feelings on this, and and the reason being is that I feel that if you were to hire somebody just to act as a COVID-19 officer, um, you're, you're kind of putting them in a peculiar situation where, because not everybody is agreeing with the regulations that, that have been put in place, whether it be a stay-at-home order or the mask wearing and everything like that, you kind of open that person up um, to problems, per se um but with that being said i i feel that you know we as safety professionals continue to explain and you know that the regulation is if you're within six feet of someone you need to have the mask on and and take that route kind of a training route versus having somebody be a officer you know patrolling and and you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing and everything like that Um, and I think all of us have have kind of seen that with you know hard hats and safety glasses. If we see somebody without a hard hat or safety glasses on, we we gently remind them, and if it becomes an issue, then then we address that situation at that time. Um, so I I just you know I I don't I don't think it's a good idea personally.
0: And the the you know the reason that I brought up the question, if you if you check the news, there have been different things in the news about. Uh, about uh, having some similar type position, um, whether it be in industry, whether it be here, whether uh, in construction or it be in uh, warehousing. You know, I'm kind of setting the stage. Um, you know, you, you come to work every day and you get asked a set of five questions and then maybe you get your temperature taken and then you get to go out in your job site. And you kind of isolate it while you're on your job site because we don't want people working in large groups. So we have no more than, you know, no more than 10 anywhere, but in some cases we're able to separate people. And we have people working uh, pretty much alone. Um, so we have those things happening every day. They're watching the news and they're getting this information coming at them. And, uh, you know, maybe they're hearing that a job site down the road, somebody got sick or, you know, what have you. Um, you know, so what has morale really been like? Um, and I'm also specifically interested to hear what's morale like in Maryland and what's morale like in Pennsylvania, which has just reopened and some of those guys are going back to work. I, I'm assuming that in Pennsylvania, you have a lot of eager people that are ready to get to work and start making money again. In Maryland, has the morale stayed up or are we starting to see that decline a little bit with this being drawn out? Um, so why don't we start with Pennsylvania? Uh, Charlie, do you want to jump in and, and let us know how the morale of, uh, of Pennsylvania workers basically,
4: seem? Basically, the morale here are the guys, like I said earlier, you know, they're, they're pretty much still the same. Uh, but, you know, like Jason and I and the rest of us talked there a little bit ago about knowing the facts, you know, that's, that's the one big thing. Uh, What's How's this, how this going to affect us? You know, uh, in a couple months, you know, are we going to still be busy in a couple months? Are jobs going to stay still going to start pulling plugs on jobs? You know, but for the most part, right now the guys are their morale's up. They just wish it would all go away so that everybody could come back to work. You know, they're glad to be back. The ones that were off, uh, they want some of their buddies to come back too, but you know, until that time and enough work's available for them or jobs open up, then we'll bring them back. But for right now, I mean, for the most part, guys are pretty pleasant.
0: Hey, Bill, uh, you guys have jobs both in Maryland, well, you have Maryland PA and Virginia, I guess, uh, currently going on. Um, are you seeing any differences from state to state? And, uh, you know, what are you seeing in general with your workers?
2: Currently, we're, we have projects going on in Maryland and West Virginia. We're going to start up a couple back up
0: in Pennsylvania.
2: Uh, Morale has been okay. I'm not going to say it's great. Um, I think, you know, this puts a strain on all the workers. doesn't matter whether it's a project manager or a laborer. I think everybody's feeling the pressure of it. So, uh, you know, the morale is uh, hanging in there, I think, for the most part. Um, And we're getting the jobs done. But
0: I'm not going to say it's great out there, to be honest with you. okay um what about uh what do we have in uh in well i guess along long line digging and rigging you guys are working all the way around as well um what are you seeing and and you know from you uh, you know interestingly i think you can give two different perspectives what are you seeing with digging and rigging and also what are you seeing on all the job sites you're visiting um you know what's it feel like out there
3: um within digging and rigging i feel the morale has stayed up um we've been considered essential, um, through this. So we, we have been able to continue business, um, out on job sites. You you do see different individuals in different areas. Um, we have West Virginia, Virginia, Maryland, DC, Pennsylvania. So we, we cover quite an area and depending on where you're at, you, you do see morale, um, lower in some areas than you do other areas. Uh, I think the biggest thing that, that I see is not so much a morale with work, but it's the wanting to get back to a normal, whatever a normal is, you know, um, going out to have dinner with the family or something like that. That's that's the type of morale that, that I'm seeing, not per se a, an issue with work morale. morale
0: you mentioned, uh, uh, going out to eat with the family and, and stuff. Uh, it just hit me. What, what are those things called? The, you know, those places that you go to eat with people, what are they called again? I, I call it <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: Oh, brown
0: bag. Brown bag. Yeah, well, it's funny. Yeah. You know, you think about it. It's been eight weeks since any of us have went to a restaurant and sat down. Um, you know, uh, you almost forget. You know, hey, there, there are these places called restaurants, and I'm surprised anybody that knows me well should have said that the place you go to eat and take your friends and family that would be sheets. <laughs> so, so all of this leads up to what I said could be one of the most interesting conversations we may have. Uh, all of the things said, I think we all agree. Um, the, the you know, the workers out there, you know, this is not the easiest time to be working. All of the things we've talked about lead up to should construction workers be, be, be paid additional hazard wages since they were considered to be essential. Um, so in the state of Maryland, construction never stopped, those employees were considered to be essential, and they went to work every day throughout this, uh, uh, this pandemic. In Pennsylvania, you have some that did continue to work, um, like when hospitals and other jobs that were deemed essential. And uh, now you have have construction going to work seven days ahead of everybody else in the state of Pennsylvania. So the question is looming out there. And I thought, well, let's ask it to the group and see what everybody kind of thinks. Should construction workers be paid a hazard wage And if your answer answer is yes, the next part of that question would be, should it be retroactive and put back to the beginning of the pandemic eight weeks ago? I'll throw it out to you guys. Anybody
4: wanna jump in on
0: that hot potato right away?
4: My answer to that is no. I don't feel they need to hazard pay. We're out here on our job site, we're doing everything we can do to protect them. We're getting most of the tools and, and supplies and stuff that they need to protect themselves. They're all grown men. You know, so unless they're working in a hospital or some for medical facility, then maybe you might want to consider it. But as far as other than other construction sites, other than that, I have to say no. That's my personal opinion.
1: I've seen and heard both sides. Um, some people say yes, and other people, um, and this is myself also, are just very thankful and, and blessed to have been able to work through this. Um, you know, and I just my heart breaks for the the people that can't. And I saw a sign over the weekend in somebody's yard that said, uh, you know, one that said, "Thanks to our essential workers," and then another sign that said, um, "My my job is essential to put food on my table." And uh, you know, just I just can't imagine what you know these millions and millions of people are going through. And so uh, I've I've heard both both ends of the the spectrum, Amos.
0: Anybody else thoughts on uh, hazard wages for construction? Yeah, hazard wages, um,
2: when you look at that, it should be a truly hazardous situation. I mean, my guys that are going into hot spots of a hospital, absolutely. Yeah. Whether or not, unless you're, you're, you're virtually in a hot spot, I think that hazard pay is something that's uh, not really necessary, to be honest with you.
3: I, I agree as well. If it's, if it's a, a hot spot like a hospital or something like that, then, then absolutely, potentially um, hazard pay. But otherwise, I, I don't think that there should be hazard pay.
0: I thank you for your time. And uh, we will do this again next week.